the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, all financial things. I think I could say that either or. If you listen to the intro, it says something like investing, insurance, family, finance. I'll talk about anything when it comes to money. I'm having a conversation with a group later today that wants me to do that new podcast that I've been teasing. And one of the things I want to pitch is that I want to do it for the average person. I want to teach them about all things financial. I want that to be the theme of the show. I want to educate you a little bit better. I had a pretty rough night last night after I ran into that story, and I was trying to figure out stories for today about a young man who was 20 years old who killed himself after trading options on Robinhood. And I naturally assumed that that was probably going to be tied towards GameStop and Reddit. And I had also read that Reddit had doubled their valuation. They're still a private company, but because they ran a five-second commercial on the Super Bowl, investors private investors have poured money into the company. They're wanting the company to go public. It's very interesting because who democratized investing? Was it Reddit who got a group of hundreds of a mob together and said, we think GameStop should be higher than it is. They're not, they shouldn't be left for dead yet. Wall Street's prematurely predicting their death. Whoa. This is the company that's going to come public down the road. The one tied towards Robinhood. You betcha. Um, I want to do a show dedicated to you and getting the average person the tools that they need to understand finance and not be intimidated by it. When I was 16, 17, I thought it was the dumbest profession in the world. And then by the time I was 18, I was like, I think there's something here. Um, and there was a learning curve along the way. And I want to help you with that learning curve. My number one thing is, I'll say something along the lines of, you need to have a million dollars before you retire. A million dollars will pay you $40,000 a year until the day you die. What's interesting about that is that's not true anymore. That was true when I started 25 years ago, and that was my mission, get people to give a million dollars, because $40,000, you can kind of live off that. Social Security is going to be roughly $20,000, $60,000. To me, that sounded like what the average American makes. It's close. It's a little bit more than the average American, but we're not factored in taxes, so it's probably a little less than the average American. And I was like, that could be enough. I saw a story yesterday about two 80-year-old people working at Target who just lost their jobs. They were in the returns department. They're in their 80s, and they're working at Target? Like, clearly, I don't get out very often. And I don't know if returns was tied towards the Christmas season and Target was being generous, giving the old people a job. I don't know. 
I'm just like, whoa. The goal of the show is to tell you you need a million dollars before you hit 80 so that you can lay off forty to $60,000 so when you do lose a job, you don't go, oh, well, I could have my, my garlic pepper, my olive oil and pasta or cat food. I don't want the decision to be the cheapest, lowest common denominator for you in quality of life. That's the goal of the show. So I'm meeting with a group later today. I'll let you know how it goes. But my goal is for a weekend podcast that is really a step above look at daily market stories. And like the Robinhood app, that story about a 20-year-old man killing himself is disastrous. I don't like it in any way, shape, or form. It made me almost tear up if I didn't tear up. Maybe I did tear up. But the family of a 20-year-old man is suing Robinhood for a wrongful death because their son committed suicide after buying stock options, which are very complicated tools. I never talk about stock options on air. On occasion, I'll get an email from a listener that says, hey, think about buying some puts and calls. And I'm like, I can't talk about that on air. Sorry. It's, I think it's an area that people get into trouble. I don't talk about margin. I should. Don't use it. Margin is a credit card on your own stocks so that you can go out and buy more stocks. And it's a way for the brokerage firm to make money. It's great in a market that's spiraling up out of control. Margin will destroy your financial life in a market crash. Don't deal with margin. Don't deal with stock options. My favorite stock option traders work in Chicago um, on the floor. My favorite specialist in Wall Street work in New York. They're not a soccer coach by day or a 20-year-old kid. A 20-year-old kid woke up and his Robinhood account told him he was upside down $700,000. He wrote a letter to their customer service. He's like, how can I be upside down $700,000? I don't even have $700,000. My account shouldn't be able to make take on that kind of a mistake. And because comp options are complicated, Robinhood said, we'll send you an email once we figured out your, your situation. A couple days later, it says, oh, by the way, you don't owe 700000 but he was already dead. He had already committed suicide. I don't like Robinhood because it's too easy to invest. And after your first trade, it has fireworks that explode and goes, woo, congratulations. And when you log on for the first time, they give you one free share of something like Hertz. Woo, congratulations. Eh, it's too easy. And, and personally, I, I think we make people take tests for driving. I think that's lovely. I think it's a decent idea. I think we should make people take tests before they get married. I think we should make people take tests before they have children. I think we should make people take tests before they start buying and selling stocks. It, it doesn't have to be a big one. But number 10 could be something like on the 10. Uh, if you, question one could be something like, if you buy a stock for $10 and sell it for $12, your capital gain is what? And the next question is, your capital gain tax is going to be what? Because you have to pay the IRS. A lot of people are, are starting to like wake up to the idea like, hey, I made some money on GameStop this year. But if you didn't save a third of that, short-term capital gains are roughly 30%, right? 25%, 28%. Who knows? It depends on your tax bracket. But 
it doesn't really depend on your tax bracket. I'm just hiding behind that because taxes are very complicated. And you're gonna hear what you wanna hear. But short-term trades have a higher tax rate than long-term gains. And a lot of people don't know this. And again, it just, it hit me like a, a poop ton of bricks. Just um, that this 20 year old kid, I mean, he should be alive right now. But because he, he was starting to think of like, well, I'm not the smartest kid. I'm not gonna be a nuclear engineer. I'm not gonna make big money in sports. It looked kind of gangly, had big teeth. He looked like a perfect 20 year old boy, perfect. And he got into stock options on Robinhood, probably because of friends and probably because of Reddit, but I'm assuming here. And here's the worst part about that story. It wasn't even GameStop. It wasn't even the mania that hit in December, January of December, 2020, January, 2021. It was way back in, in June of 2020. Anyhow, it's, it's something I wanna remind you, investing's fun in a way, but it's not meant to be fun. You need to talk to your kids if they're getting into the Robinhood apps. I'm hoping this isn't like opioids, but talk to your kids. They shouldn't be doing stock options. Do I need to say that out loud? I'm Rob Black. Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. One of the things that I try to promote aggressively on the show is having a judgment-free discussion with your loved ones about money. I, I think I could translate that into having a judgment-free discussion with everyone in the world if you can. But when it comes to money, people are very psychologically weird. It's kind of cool. People come to me and tell me more things than they tell their own spouse. And I really want you to tell your own spouse more than you tell me. But I'm here for you. Rob at robblackshow.com. Um, maybe it's the truth people don't want to hear. There's a, a thought that goes through my head on a regular basis of... Something along the lines of, I know where I want it to be in life at this age. And I got, I got there and beyond it. But a lot of people didn't accomplish what they wanted to accomplish athletically. A lot of people didn't accomplish what they wanted to romantically. A lot of people didn't accomplish what they wanted to job-wise or financial-wise. And I don't think that's too tough for most people. It's the distance between what they got and where they wanted to go. That distance hurts and people don't like talking about it. They don't mind not being a millionaire. They don't mind not being a billionaire. They don't mind not being the top job boss. They don't mind not working in California, but staying in their home state of Wisconsin, which I can't imagine is any fun in any way, shape, or form. And yet, I just offended people from Wisconsin. Oh, and the radio station's going to call me later today and like, oh, we had the, the national tour board for Wisconsin was going to set up a big ad campaign. You're fired. It could happen. Um, I love Wisconsin, by the way. Green Bay Packers hail from there. And what could be worse than that? Nothing. Aaron Rodgers getting engaged to Shailene Woodley. That had to be the weirdest story to come out during the Super Bowl. Because he was he went after Olivia Munn. Then he went after uh, Danica, Danica, the race car driver girl lady. Uh, Danica Patrick, I think. 
And then out of nowhere, he wasn't even dating her. He's engaged to Shailene Woodley. And she's a bit of a weirdo. If you get a chance to ever hear her interviewed, like she's very, she's organic to the point of like weirdly organic. That's all I'm going to say. I'll let you Google the surprise, what she's talking about later. Anyway, let's hit some fast and furious stories. UBS is saying investors should look at bonds and emerging market stocks instead of holding cash as inflation's climbing. This is going to be a story, it sounds like, in 2022, maybe a little bit earlier. We're going to see more and more inflation. That means things are going to cost more, right? If we get wage inflation, that, that'll probably mean we get that $15 minimum wage, but that'll probably mean less profits for some companies. That's okay. I'm good with that one. But inflation on food, inflation on energy costs, inflation on car costs, inflation on computer costs, inflation on phone costs, that would be bad for the consumers. But if we see inflation, the Federal Reserve will start to raise interest rates. And as they start to raise interest rates, you might want to be in some bonds. And if we're getting inflation, it might mean the emerging markets are kind of consuming phones and wood and energy and the things that are inflating in prices. So that kind of comes with good news, bad news, right? Remember one of the first segments of the show, I said there's no right answers. There's just compromises. Listen to this story. RBC, a big investment firm, says Apple can surge 25%, another 25%, by adding what? Car? No. Virtual reality headset? No. By adding cryptocurrency services to their wallet app. Just by going typing in a couple code lines and instead of putting a Visa credit card in there or a MasterCard credit card in there or doing Apple Pay with whatever company they're doing Apple Pay with, if they open up a, a cryptocurrency wallet, RBC says their stock can go up 25% because Apple could attract users to the services by buying a billion dollars in Bitcoin itself. Apple could unlock a multi-billion dollar business by opening up its wallet. Fascinating twist on research. Again, I digested a lot of this. I wouldn't walk away thinking Apple goes up 25% on this news. Could be. Tesla announced on Monday that they had bought 1.5 billion in Bitcoin. Apple could supercharge its move into cryptocurrency by buying a billion in Bitcoin for itself. I don't know. I told you earlier in the show, one analyst said Bitcoin could be worth nothing. But I'll tell you what, if Apple has to go to the keyboard and make it so, their wallet um, app, which is installed in all their phones. If that wallet, which Facebook would have a fit with, because Facebook wanted to have a cryptocurrency called Libra, and they wanted all the Facebook users to have a wallet. If Apple were to say, hey, we're going to just add Bitcoin to our wallet, oh boy, easy, right? 69-year-old furniture retailer Mattress Mac placed a one of the biggest bets in Super Bowl history, and he won millions. The owner of Gallery Furniture placed the biggest Super Bowl bet of 2021, winning over $6 million. He flew out to Colorado Springs to place the wager through DraftKings. Sounds like a big old, uh, how shall we say, PR stunt. For the record, and I'm not going to totally knock mattresses, but they buy a lot of advertising on sports radio. If you've ever Tommy T say anything along the lines of, hey, to call 1-800-MATTRESS and leave last S off for savings. Like mattress companies spend a lot of money on advertising because mattresses are very cheap to make and they sell them for very premium prices. 
despite, wow, a $3.46 million bet he did on his phone, but he flew to Colorado Springs to place it. Funny, right? That ended up being a $6.1 million win. Now, first and foremost, I want to go, why 3.46 million? Why not 3.5 million? But that's the biggest winner, winner, chicken dinner, so to speak. Parents of the 20-year-old Alex Kern, who died by suicide, thinking that he had lost $730,000 in Robinhood are suing the stock trading app. And I think that's good. They need to have more disclosures about how dangerous it is. Oil hits its highest level in more than a year with demand expected to recover. That's a good sign for the stock market six to 18 months from now. UBS says Bitcoin is in a bubble. It could end up worthless. Stay tuned. I got more show for you. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing in more. Find me online at Rob Black Show. Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. Story for you. I don't even know if that's possible with the way I operate. But this song is by the Black Grapes. And 20 years ago, between 20 and 25 years ago, maybe 25 years ago, I was still on the East Coast. I worked for one of the biggest radio stations in Washington, D.C. It's called WJFK. They had quite the lineup. They had Howard Stern on in the morning. They had Don and Mike in the afternoon, G. Gordon Liddy, middays, talking politics. Um, they were packed with the sports junkies. Like They were the station. And on weekends, they had me, Rob Black, talking stocks and investing. And the song, Black Grape, Shake Your Money, was my theme song. So I've always had a love affair with it, so to speak. Kind of a relationship. Uh, Black Grape, Shake Your Money. Um, Every time I hear it, it takes me back to a much simpler time in my life. Which, again, probably a much happier time. Money does not solve any problems in your life. None. I had an alcoholic daddy when I was back then. I still have one today. He was dead then. He's dead now. Um, I had a weird childhood growing up overseas. Became a dominant soccer player in the United States because I grew up overseas. Because I grew up overseas, I didn't have any long-term friends like you did. I didn't even speak the language of some of my friends. Anyhow, um... Money doesn't solve anything positively. So if you're not happy before you have it, you're not going to be happy with it. The goal of the show is to get you to retirement with enough money so that you can live off it till the day you die. And you have someone you love. I think that's really all you can ask for in life. And if you get the blessing of children, they're fun. Um, UBS says Bitcoin is a bubble and too volatile to diversify. I want to talk about this ever so briefly. It's one of the star performers of the decade. Bitcoin's rallied over 1,000%. Elon Musk has kind of grabbed onto it and uses it in Twitter as a way of getting promotion and PR for himself. I don't know. Will it replace gold? I don't know. It doesn't hold any value. But that doesn't mean it doesn't work, which is a problem I'm having with trying to talk about it on air with you. Bitcoin's historic run has been the subject of a hot debate. JP Morgan CEO Jamie Dimon called it a bit of a fraud in 2017. Saying the price of, you know, the bank was touting 
at the same time that the price of Bitcoin could go to 150000 And yet their CEO of JP Morgan was saying, I think it's a bit of a fraud. Why is Bitcoin a bubble? A bubble occurs when there's herd mentality. Now, we're not talking about herd immunity. We're talking about herd mentality, where you send an asset well above its fair value in a very short period of time. There's Bitcoin to the moon. People are putting pillows, throw pillows on their bed. They're making their sexy Valentine's Day love nest, and they're putting a, a pillow on it that says Bitcoin to the moon. Not I love you to the moon, but Bitcoin to the moon. There's a little bit of bandwagon going on there. Um, Elon Musk put hashtag Bitcoin in his bio, which means he'll see all the Bitcoin stories and he'll be tagged in them. Interesting, right? I don't have much of an opinion on it. For me, it feels a, like a bit of a greater fool. But when Tesla says, hey, you could buy a Bitcoin, you could buy a Tesla with Bitcoin. I'm like, that's a little bit more legit. And if Apple says, hey, you could do transactions in Bitcoin, that's a little bit more legit. And those are starting to fall in place, not the Apple one. An amazing story out of Kenya, stopping us to stop and think on occasion. A Nairobi-based 29-year-old entrepreneur and inventor came up with a way to recycle plastic waste into bricks that are stronger than concrete. I love stories like that. Um, and when you look at the amount of poverty in Nairobi, you go, thank God we have people who are smart out there. Twitter lost its most important user. Now the stock is at a seven-year high, and they're talking about a subscription angle to add to Twitter, which would help kind of, if you have to pay to see things and if you have to pay to post things, as far as news goes, maybe it makes news better. It just removes a barrier of entry and kind of legitimizes it you as someone who cares versus you as someone who is one of 10 fake accounts. There's a good question for a partner. On Valentine's Day, if you are happy enough to score a date or lucky enough to score a date, try to hear some conversation for you. What were your parents, spenders or savers? That should take about 10 minutes. Then sneak one in there. Yeah, you ever have a fake uh, email account that you've uh, signed up for a Facebook or have you ever trolled anyone? <laughs> And watch the slow response of, well, no. And then like, you've done something. You've joined a fantasy football league with three accounts and you've done trades with yourself, haven't you? There's something in there. I know there is. But it's a trap. Don't answer. Admiral Akbar. He didn't have to die. Whatever director did that, I think it was Rain Johnson, ruined the Star Wars films for me. I loved Akbar. So if you're lucky enough to score a date for Valentine's and you're lucky enough to have some intimate conversation, it's going to be a $50 billion made up holiday. Love day. <clears throat> $27.9 billion spent on gifts. $21.9 billion spent on activities. I think Valentine's Day, showing you how much I know about Valentine's Day. Oh, it does fall on a Sunday. Which means you could ask your honey out on Thursday on Friday, on Saturday, or on Sunday. It's like a, an extravaganza for the restaurant industry. They make a ton of money on this made-up holiday. Oh, wait, wait, wait. 
we can't go to restaurants? Well, the good news is if you can go to restaurants, it's a four-day weekend for the restaurant to get some activity going, in my opinion. Thursday night's the night that uh, married couples go out. Friday night is the night young couples who are in love go out. <laughs> Saturday and Sunday, it can be mixed. But it's expensive. And flowers die in two to three days. So if you're going to buy anything, get your sugar booger a nice $100, maybe even $200 if you're really fond of them. An investment. Maybe an S&P 500 fund. It's a broker advisor for taking action on any stocks ever mentioned on the show. Travel saw a big drop this year on Valentine's Day. Sports gambling had a big surge ahead of the uh, Super Bowl. Interesting, because more states are going to turn to sports gambling apps as a way of solving budget deficits. But FanDuel's, DraftKings, Pins, Barstool's app, and MGM bets all were offline for the Super Bowl. That's hilarious. Because if you watch FanDuel, there was... The whole buildup was like, open a FanDuel account right now, 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 and get $10 for your trading for the Super Bowl. So the commercials were there. The services weren't for a lot of people. Big time outages. Um, worthy of note. What else do we have to hit? I think I've hit every major story. Oh, the CBOE, CBO, Congressional uh, Budget Office is talking about the $15 an hour minimum wage that does not look like it's going to be put in Biden's first legislation, nor does the student debt relief look like it's going to make it into the first legislation, making it more questionable if it ever happens at all. But the Raise the Wage Act is getting bantied, bantied around a lot right now. And ultimately, I think I'm for it. If it pushes more Americans to get higher education... I'm not saying we have the worst education system in the world, but it's not great. And higher education typically means higher paying jobs. Higher paying jobs usually equal higher tax revenues, which is typically a good thing. But I'm digressing into commentary that I don't want to digress into. But the CBOE, the CBO said, if we raise the minimum wage to $15, and again, there's a big difference between $15 of minimum wage in suburban Georgia versus downtown San Francisco or LA or Chicago or New York. I, I don't know how to divide that into common sense, but a lot of jobs will be lost, 1.4 million jobs, but it'll lift 900,000 people out of poverty. And it's gonna increase wages for about 17 million Americans who would go out and probably spend all their money paycheck to paycheck is how we live. Federal government's also talking about that idea of like, well, let's put $1,000 into every child who's born in an account that they can get when they turn 18. That's a no-brainer, and it's never going to happen. I love the idea, except for the fact that I know a lot of people will be like, what do you mean I got $1,000 and I can't touch it till I'm 18? That's unconstitutional. I'm going to sue you. So somehow the government would get sued. And I'm like, no, that wasn't the point of it. It was encouraging savings for a lifetime. Joe Biden, Joe Biden, Joe Biden, and Janet Yellen, Janet Yellen, Janet Yellen are going to meet with CEOs of J.P. Morgan, Walmart, and Gap today on stimulus talks. And again, I would bet that $15 minimum wage is going to come up more than once. Boeing has delivered 26 planes in January as cancellations continue to outpace new sales, but they're moving in the right direction. Michelle Obama is returning to Netflix with a children's cooking show called Waffles and Mochi. 
or Moki, excuse me. One of the favorite shows I ever do is watching a segment called Rob Tries to Pronounce Pharmaceuticals. There's a lot of words that I cannot pronounce, and pharmaceuticals and drugs that we take are some of them. Even cities like Milpitas, I look at it, it looks like Mil- Milopitas. <laughs> That's how I want to say it. More special programming coming to you from Rob Black and your money. Job openings increased towards the end of 2020, but a big employment gap remains. Super Bowl posted the worst viewer rating since 2007. Tired of sports during the pandemic. Ah, isn't it? I'm Rob Black talking all things today. Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. Welcome in. New Focus on Wealth with Rob Black. I'm Rob Black. One of the things I try to do that you don't see a lot of is look for worst case scenarios. I get a lot of emails through the years. Many of them say similar things like, thank you so much for staying optimistic. Thank you for getting me in the market. I've turned 401k into 300,000. I've got 20 years left. What should I do now? It's interesting. I'm very grateful. Feedback is usually pretty positive. On occasion, there is a psychodoodle person out there. If I say something like, there's a trend in e-commerce and FedEx and UPS will benefit, he hears you should buy FedEx and UPS. I hear that e-commerce has 15 different players. And you can start at the top of the food chain with Amazon and get to the bottom of it with the delivery companies and people like PayPal and Venmo benefit in the middle and how you pay online. Credit card companies potentially are benefactors. You get the idea. I'm not perfect in an interpretation. I don't say you should use this show as a map to wealth. I think this is more, it teaches you what the map might look like to you. What the legend might be on your financial map. But one area that I look for trouble is because when it comes, I want to say it. When you have a 10-year up bull market, there's a odds start to increase that you're going to have one incredibly bad down period where a lot of people cash in. It turns in from 5% to 10, 10 to 15, 15 to 20, 25 to 30. Because for the previous 10 years, everyone made money. That's called expecting a correction. I don't talk a lot about it. I don't see the odds as very high at this point in time. Continues to build. And the pressure on the market continues to build to get it right. So far, we seem to be getting it right. Whatever form of capitalism we're using is rewarding the stock market. And by capitalism, I mean low interest rates and monetary supply. Fiscal and monetary stimulus are critical drivers of this market right now. But one area that kind of showed up on the map in 2020, 2021 is a couple companies talked about it chip shortage. Qualcomm brought it up. The first hints of a chip shortage, not like chip and salsa, not like uh-uh, semiconductor. 
the worlds were the worlds were in havoc. They were in throes of pandemics in 2020, 2021. It obliterated demand. And at the same time, we started thinking, okay, how do we rebuild this infrastructure? How do we rebuild the supply chain? We saw this most serious shortage in years of semiconductors that lie at the heart of everything from smartphones to cars and TVs. Ford in 2021 said, we're going to have to ratchet back sales of the F-150 truck because we can't get enough semiconductors to put into it. You should not take that lightly. And to, to play further wax on, Ford F-150 is the best-selling vehicle. It's all that in a bucket of chicken. If Ford earns money, it's through the Ford F-150. It's not their financing. It's not their four-door sedans. It's through their trucks. And to say, whoops, we have a shortage. What happened? That's unacceptable. Or is it? Auto and electronic makers have cut back drastically. And what would we be referred to as the ramp back up to normalcy. Qualcomm was the poster child saying, look, we had as great of a quarter as we could have had, and had we had more supply, we would have sold even more. You've heard companies like Apple, the first 100 days of them ramping up, and how many reorders do they get and not get? Consumes a lot of semiconductors, and getting this order right is super important for all players. North American plants on making vehicles, car makers, have struggled with a big drop in output due to waiting for semiconductors, 5G-ready smartphones, semiconductors to connect your car, to get the GPS working completely with the whole thing. Chip shortages are expected to wipe out $60 billion of sales in 2021. Just for the automakers, let me repeat that again. For 2021, chip shortages are expected to wipe out $60 billion in sales because there's no inventory available. Which instantly puts in my head, okay, so anyone who has a car now will probably be getting used car parts or car parts to keep that car on the road longer if there's a shortage of vehicles. So there's some winners inside this losing story of $60 billion. Qualcomm said some of their high-end iPhones had a shortage in components in 2021. Companies like NXP Semiconductors and Infineon Technologies, whose roles near the top of supply chain grant visibility over global chip supply, they're two of the guys I watch. I shouldn't say guys, because that may be a confusing term. They're two of the players in the semiconductor industry that I watch to see how things flow. You saw Sony and Microsoft Xbox have massive shortages. And you may go, ah, that's just the big media companies playing the consumer with the new PlayStation 5, making it look like it's super hot demand. Sony PlayStation 5 and the Microsoft Xbox Series X didn't sell as many units, consoles, as there was demand. And if you're cynical, you're going to say, that's just the media companies, Microsoft and Sony, playing us. The reality as a business person, they're leaving sales on the table. 
but they're also ramping up. It takes, when did we first hear about the Sony PlayStation 5? When did we hear first hear about the Xbox Series X? 18 months, like it was easily 2019. And then during the year of the pandemic, we started seeing like, oh, they're not going to do a live show in Vegas to show us the new games. They're going to do it online. It was still there, but it was announced 2019 what the hardware specs are going to look like. So how did these two companies with such a long runway blow it, make a mistake of not having enough consoles ready on launch? Semiconductor shortages. If they could sell every, if they could sell twice what they did, they would have. They're not holding back supply to create artificial demand. They're not. If you could find uh, NVIDIA 3080 video card in the first half of 2021, you're a lucky man. Because the company said there's going to be massive shortages of this video graphics card. AMD makes a similar one that they're not going to be able to fix that supply constraint until the middle of 2021. Again, the actual dates aren't important. What's important is that you keep an eye out for the worst case scenarios. And for the auto industries to lose 60 billion in sales, that's a big one. I'm not panicky, but it's one thing that I've put together that's not ideal. I'm Rob Black, talking about creating wealth.